Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to everyone tonight. And uh, if we do have any guests tonight, we welcome you. We are glad to have you. You're watching us online somewhere. Welcome you as a part of this service. Pray that you are blessed by it as well. Praise God. I want to uh, sort of tag in to Sunday night. I don't know that I've ever necessarily done this quite this way before, followed up on a Thursday, but I just kind of have continued feeling some things along the lines of Sunday night that I would um, I'd like to share <clears throat> with you. Um, Jalen, you're fine going down. I'm going to do a really old course here, so I'll just do it a cappella. You're fine. I'd be surprised if half of you even know this. Maybe you do, but to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. I only ask to be like Him, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus on earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory I only ask to be like Him to be like Jesus to be like Jesus on earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory I only ask to be like Him one more time 
to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory I only ask to be like him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. Many of you, I'm sure, or would hope, are familiar with these verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such, there is no law. My apologies, I forgot to start that. The fruit of the Spirit. Father, thank you for another opportunity to be in your presence with other believers, people of like precious faith. I pray, God, that you would work in our hearts and lives tonight. God, I pray that your Spirit would speak and work in us tonight. I pray, God, that our hearts would be good ground for your word tonight, that it can produce through our lives what you desire. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Peter's epistle. He talks about adding. He says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and and uh, when you study that, that uh, passage, when you study what Peter says there, uh, it seems to me, and I've heard others, and I realize just because somebody else says what you say doesn't make the two of you right, but people I trust, I've heard others uh, say the same thing, that it, it sounds like that what Peter is saying there is a progressive thing. You are supposed to build on each one. But, but here, what Paul says, he says the fruit of the Spirit is. And then he gives us these things that are the fruit. Notice it doesn't say fruits. It says the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. I I got to tell you, though, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of time the fruit is not equally ripened on my tree. <laughs> there, there's some times when some of it is healthier than others. Sometimes I don't know about long-suffering, I just suffer long. And, and uh, I, I, other times the, the self-control and the... And the the uh, the the meekness is and, and and some of those things the goodness are not always fully ripened. There, we go through seasons. We go through times where God is 
working and producing. And so I realize, and, and this, this is a whole nother challenge in my opinion, but I realize that Paul says these things are the fruit. But you know what? On any, even on any tree, you can have healthy branches and some unhealthy branches on the same tree. So again, I, I know for me, I don't always have all of these fruits fully functioning. But I, I want you to notice the first one that is listed. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. And that should never fluctuate. I'll read it to you in just a moment. You already know it, but I'll read it to you in just a moment. The reason I think it's the one fruit that should never fluctuate is because God is love. So if I have the Holy Ghost, I have God in me. And if God is in me and God is love, then what is in me? Four and verse number seven. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. Well, I'm just not a very loving person. Then you just ain't a God person. We're not talking about personality here. If you don't love, you don't know God, because God, there's the first where, first place it is, God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Isn't it amazing, the motivation, God, how many of you, how many of you parents, my hand is already up not to get you to raise yours. I'm already acknowledging what I'm about to ask you. How many of you have ever done stuff for your kids strictly out of duty and obligation? It's not always, I love you so much and I am just so in love with you and, and, and I just, I, so I'm going to do this. Here, here's your dinner. There, there's your clothes. <laughs> God, the only hope that you and I had was God. I, I, I sound like such an obvious duh statement, but the only hope we had. And how amazing is it that God didn't look down on His creation and go, well, if I don't do this, they got no hope. That wasn't the attitude. God, as I preached Sunday night, so loved. Yeah. God was, God, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might through Him, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Isn't it, next time you get a little disgruntled with the, with our struggles to love each other, 
Just go read your Bible. The apostles had to tell the early church, you need to love each other. (laughs) No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God, here it is, the second time in this chapter, God is. Not only does God love, but God is love. God, and and he that dwelleth in love, dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Some of us must not not be in love. I don't mean in love with another person. I mean we must not be dwelling in love. It didn't say that most people don't have fear Because they dwell in love. It said there is. It says there is. How much fear? No fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Well, I love some people here. I I love some folks here, but I don't love all of them. Aren't you glad God's not like you and me? (laughs) And picks and chooses who it is He loves. So God is. God is. Again, I, 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 I... It may not seem that profound or significant to you, but there is a difference between God loving and God is love. God does love, but God is I am not love. As sweet and wonderful as all you people are, you are not love. We love, but I am not love. Hang around me long enough, you'll find other things that come out besides love. But God is. God is. If that's what He is, then He can't do anything different. How can I worry about His love running out for me if that's what He is? Because the moment His love runs out, if it ran out, that means He no longer is. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, and I'm going to read the last couple of verses of this chapter, but Paul, in this chapter, this is one of the places where Paul is talking about the body. 
the body of Christ, and that just as the natural body has many members that make up one body, so it is with the spiritual body. We are all different. We all are different members, and together we make up one body. And so in chapter 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, Paul says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. That means you're not, you're not random. You're not a coincidence. You have been uniquely, purposefully designed by God for your place in the body. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And the all speaking with tongues there is not tongues, is in the context of the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Do all do those things? What's the answer? No. No. If you think that all gifts operate through you, you might want to check who's operating. Because all gifts operate through no one person. I taught it, preached it, whatever, a couple of years ago. I think it's been now. I can do all things through Christ. But Christ won't do all things through me. You've been given particular gifts. You haven't been given all gifts. Not everybody's an apostle. Not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody's a teacher. Not all are workers of miracles. Not all have gifts of healing. Not all speak with tongues. Not all interpret. But we've all been given gifts based on the purpose that God has given us. So, the answer is, as you have said, no, not all have all gifts. Then look what he says in verse 31. This is the last verse of the chapter. But covet earnestly the best gifts. The problem is, I think we have wrongly determined the best gifts. I think the gifts that we have so often coveted are not the best gifts. And look at what the last phrase of this verse says. And yet, show I unto you a more excellent way. So, the body has many members. All members in the body make up the body. It's one body. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a particular member. You have your place, your role, your God-designed role. No one person is more important than another. No one member is more significant than another. You've just got the place God has put you, and I've got the place God has put me. But we are all members of the body. And then he tells us these gifts that are in the body and asks the question, does everybody have all gifts? And the answer is no. But then he says, I'm going to show you 
I want to show you a more excellent way. Here's our struggle. That is verse 31 of chapter 12. Most of the time, we jump into chapter 13 and forget what Paul said at the end of chapter 12. Because at the end he's saying, I want to show you a more excellent way. The next verse of the next chapter is not some completely separate, different, new thought. He is now telling us, here is the more excellent way. Here it is. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you, but I'm not going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to start off with other translations instead of read the King James and then go back through. I've got two different translations. We'll see if I get through both of them here or not. But this first one is the Living Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I had the gift, of being able to speak in other languages without learning them and could speak in every language there is in all of heaven and earth, but didn't love others, I would only be making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and knew all about what is going to happen in the future, knew everything about everything... Don't sit there and let the thought cross your mind. Well, I know some people that fit that one. But didn't love others. What good would it do? Even if I had the gift that... Listen to this. Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. And now, this last one's probably perhaps the most difficult one to grasp. If I gave everything I have to the poor, to poor people, and if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatever. Said it Sunday night, I'll say it again tonight. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Paul says you can give everything you have to the poor and yet not love. And if that's the case, you've got nothing. I'm not going to read this one. I put it in there. Or actually, I will read this one. I'm not going to read the next one. I put it in there for anybody else. Maybe if you want to dig a little deeper. But Adam Clark says this. I will quote Josiah Gregory, whose mind might be compared to a diamond of the first water, whose native splendor broke in various places through its incrustations, but whose brilliancy was not brought out for what of the hand of the lapidary. I wish I could say statements like that. It sounded so eloquent that you have no idea what they even mean. Among various energetic sayings of this great unlettered man, I remember to have heard the following. People of little religion are always noisy. 
He who has not the love of God and man filling his heart is like an empty wagon coming violently down a hill. It makes a great noise, but there is nothing in it. Sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I don't know why it's my lot in life that every time I go to Home Depot and get a cart to haul lumber, it's the noisy one. (laughs) You feel like the whole store stands at attention because you got no idea what it is. Paul said, if you do all of this but you don't have love and you're not motivated by love, it's just a bunch of noise. I wonder, oh Jesus, I wonder how much of what the church does is just a bunch of noise. Because we are doing the right activities and we are involved in the right things, but our motive for them is not right. And so at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of noise because deep down inside, we do not really love. It's obligation, it's duty, it's responsibility, but it's not love. I'm not going to read this next one. That's part of the reason it's even a little smaller than normal. I know my fonts are always not big enough. My apologies. It's what's really interesting. I'm not going to take the time for it, but what's really interesting in here is Barnes addresses the issue that some... that now this, this, this kind of blows my mind, but it just kind of demonstrates human nature that even to the point of being burned at the stake, there were those whose motives and reasonings for doing such a thing was not love. It, it, it was other reasons, it was other motivations, it was other things that appealed or in, enticed them. And so Paul saying, all of it, all of that, even as, even as great of suffering as it may be, even as significant as what they go through may be, if they do not love, it is nothing. Nothing. Fortunately, at this point, none of us are faced with the challenge of martyrdom and knowing if our motives are pure. But you know what? We are faced with a lot of seemingly less significant things, but in a lot of ways they aren't less significant. So let me ask you the question, why? Why do you teach Sunday school? Why are you involved in Sunday school? Why are you a praise singer and other stuff you do? Kevin, why are you teaching care group on Wednesday nights with young people in P7 club. Katie, why 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 Bible quizzing so that just so that people can get the word of God and that's a noble thing to get. Sister Spriggs, why why stand at that back door service after service and give such a warm kind welcome to people? That, well, because it's Brother Osborne, why why go through all the effort you guys are going through? Brother Brad, why go through all the effort of Celebrate Recovery just, just because there's so many people that are such a mess, they need some place to go, and we might as well provide that place? 
Sister Angie, why do what's done every Sunday, every Sunday morning for a bunch of kids that probably a good percentage of them another time at a lot of times don't seem to show any real appreciation or you don't even know the imp why 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 this just because well we feel sympathetic we did anybody hear what paul's saying you can you can do the right things. You can do noble things. But if you don't love, and if it's not motivated by love, it is worthless. It's worthless. Brother Ellenberger, Sister Ellenberger, why set up that table at 7-Eleven, sit there in the hot sun for... Hours at a time. Well, people are going to hell. Somebody's got to give them a chance. God is love. Everything God has ever done was based on the motive of love. Again, I I mean... If anybody had something to resent, God coming to this earth had something to be resentful of. But God so loved. That that really, to be honest, those first three verses really to me are the easiest part of this chapter. It may be a little bit hard to swallow that I can do everything I do and give of myself unreservedly and yet it be just sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I mean, that's a little hard to take, but at the end of the day, you probably get a few praises and accolades and pats on the back in there. So, But let's look. Let's look. You see, here's part of the reason, or here is basically the reason why I started with those verses in Galatians. Because again, I don't know of a person here tonight, maybe there's somebody somewhere in the world, but they are few and far between, that has all of those fruits of the Spirit, even though it's the fruit, has all of those elements of the fruit of the Spirit operating in their life at the full capacity they should be operating at. What I'm about to read to you, Paul tells us, I think I could say it this way, the attributes or the characteristics of love. That while the fruit of the Spirit may be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all those things, and there are various elements, and some of us may have other areas that, that we're doing well in, and some we're not doing so well in. What Paul addresses here in 1 Corinthians 13, he is saying that this is, this is what love is. Verse 4, again, I'm reading the Living Bible. Love is very patient and kind. 
I need the oil the, the hinges here. <coughs> it it's <coughs> never <coughs> never je- never jealous. Why are they always the ones get why are they always why How come their name's always called? How come how come they're always getting the recognition? Love is never jealous or envious. It's never boastful or proud. Never haughty or selfish or rude. It it amazes me, Christians, people that profess Christianity and they're just simply rude. Love is never rude. It, oh man, it's getting heavier and heavier. It does not hold grudges. And will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. And how quick too many supposed Christians are to point out, did you see what they did? Love hardly even notices when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. You know, while I am, while I am reading this and challenging you and I about how we love each other, don't forget the fact that what I'm reading you also describes him toward us. That while I think I'm not the only one standing here or here tonight that's reading this, having to go ouch a little bit here and there, at the same time I can read this and go, wow, that's what love is, and so that's how he is towards me. If you love someone, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always stand your ground in defending him. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end. Covet earnestly the best gifts, but let me show you a more excellent way. Because the way I'm going to show you and what I want to show you 
is the thing that is not going to pass away. Because at some point, gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. Someday, prophecy and speaking in an unknown language and special knowledge, and special knowledge, these gifts will disappear. Now we know so little, even with our special gifts, and the preaching of those most gifted is still so poor. Well, that's so reassuring right there. Go back to the beginning of verse 9 there. We know so little, even with our special gifts. You know, one of the, one of the biggest pitfalls we have is that when we get a word from God, we put our own interpretation of the word from God on it. And we start to assume how and figure out how it's going to work out. Better be careful. I'll never forget. And I, 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 I've gotten some things that are, uh, either I missed it or the timing is just still not yet. But I can recall standing on the platform in the high school, the Annapolis Senior High School, and Brother and Sister Shelton was there. And actually, I think I started with Stu and Holly Mott prophesying to them that God was going to give them a child and then felt quickened in my spirit the story of Mary and Elizabeth as cousins and Brother Shelton and Brother Mott were cousins and I called the Sheltons over it. I got to tell you, in my mind, that meant those two couples were about to get pregnant. That's what it meant to me. It didn't work out that way. We know in part. We know in part. I got a feeling there's some folks sitting here tonight that you're struggling some with your faith in God because you got a word from God. The problem is you have put your own interpretation on that word. We know in part. But when we have made, been made perfect and complete, then the need for these inadequate space, Check that out. What's he talking about there? Prophecy and, 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 and tongues and interpretation. He says, when things are complete, the need for these, the things that we kind of walk around with a little bit extra hop in our step, when we have these gifts, Paul says these are inadequate. They're inadequate special gifts. So guess what? If you walking around with those gifts, you're special. This may be a little different special than you thought. They will come to an end and they will disappear. Don't get me wrong. I know these things are important. I'm not belittling. I'm not trying to belittle these things. Don't miss the point I'm trying to make and make a whole nother point. I know there's a place for these things. But according to what Paul's saying, we, we value some of the wrong things. We put our emphasis, boy, they... They, they get used in the gifts. They're rude. They battle jealousy. They're always envious of somebody else, but God speaks through them. It's like this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought 
and reasoned as a child does. But when I became a man, I, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood, and now I have put away the childish things. I've changed my thinking. I've changed my conversation. I remember when I, when the, when our kids were young, my wife started something at one point, and that was we get in a car ride, and, and the length of the car ride was communicated in the number of veggie tales you would watch during that car ride. Veggie tales were about 30 minutes long. So you, this is a, this is a two veggie tale car ride. We or she and the kids would make a trip down to my in-laws in Virginia, and that you know, this is a twenty-five Veggie Tail car ride. <laughs> we don't get in the car, you know. They they didn't get in the car last Wednesday night to start for California, and you know, somebody asked my wife, "How long is this car ride?" Well, it's about a seven hundred and eighty-five Veggie Tail car ride. That was childish speaking. That was childish thinking. And at some point you put that away. Childish thinking is we all get an equal fair share. We all get the same amount. A couple months ago now, I think it was, had couple of kids down in my office getting some candy and I forget what it was but there was one thing there was a the last one of and it just so happened two siblings were the ones that were interested in that last one there wasn't a whole lot of sibling love there was a fight and the elder refused to give way to the younger. Now you know what? I I didn't really I couldn't blame them. Because that's childish and you can expect that. But what's sad is when we as supposed adults, spiritual adults have the same behaviors. Paul says that was all right when I was a child. That's the way I thought and acted and spoke. But when I became a man, I had to put those things away. In the same way, we can see and understand only a little about God now as if we were peeping at His reflection in a poor mirror. But someday we are going to see Him in His completeness face to face. Now all that I know is hazy and blurred. Do you? Do you? I know it's the living Bible, but do you hear who's talking here? The man next to Jesus Christ, to me, that had revelation of revelation. All that I have, all that I know is hazy and blurred. But then I will see everything clearly, just as clearly as God sees into my heart right now. There are three things that remain. Faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is faith woo 
Nope. That's the most exciting of these. That's the most spectacular of these. But the greatest of these is love. Now this next one, I don't often use it. It's got great stuff, but it's often a little wordy. But I, I just I want to read it to you. This is Weist's translation. If in the languages of men I speak in the languages of the angels but do not have love, the Greek word here used of God's love produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit, a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the loved one. A love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the one love. I have already become, at present, am sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of uttering divine revelations and know all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith so that I am able to keep on removing mountain after mountain, but am not possessing love, I am nothing. And if I use all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver up my body as a martyr in order that I may glory, but do not have love, I am being profited in not even one thing. Not even one thing. Y'all gone home on me already? I see a lot of blank looks and bored faces. Not that I should worry about that. Because I love you. (laughs) Not even one thing. Love meekly and patiently bears ill treatment from others. Love is kind. Gentle, benign, pervading and penetrating the whole nature. Tell me your problem tonight. I have a prescription to give you. Tell me what your issue is tonight. I've got a prescription. Sorry. pervading and penetrating the whole nature, mellowing all which would have been harsh and austere. Doing what? Mellowing all. Well, my personality is, I'm just not a very kind, loving person. So you're just a very clanking, sounding brass kind of person. You're a person that supposedly has God, but is resisting the nature and attributes of God being manifest through you. Love does not brag nor does it show itself off. 
is not ostentatious, does not have an inflated ego, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek after the things which are its own, is not irritated, provoked, exasperated, aroused to anger, does not take into account the evil which it suffers, does not rejoice at the iniquity, but rejoices with the truth, endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things, bears up under all things, not losing heart nor courage. Love never fails. Adam Clark says this about love never failing. When there is no place left for believing good of a person, then love comes in with its hope, where it could not work by its faith and begins immediately to make allowances and excuses as far as good conscience can permit and further anticipates the repentance of the transgressor and his restoration to the good opinion of society and his place in the church of God from which he had fallen. I was just in a conversation recently with someone in this church, someone that's here tonight, but for the sake of not potentially offending someone unnecessarily. In the course of that conversation, they were sharing with me the current condition of that person, but made this point. It's not over yet. Love says it doesn't look good but it's not over yet. Love says it's not going very well, but it's not over yet. Love says they're going the wrong direction, and it doesn't appear like they're turning around, but it's not over yet. The only reason you and I are here, because He's always looked at us, no matter what the circumstance and situations were, and said, it's not over yet. Some of us need to look at each other with some junk between us and say, you know what, it's not over yet. That's what some of you have said, except you were like, it's not over yet. Meet me outside. Not talking about that kind of not over yet. Talking about the kind of it's not over yet, God still can work this out. Not over yet. Verse 8, but whether there are utterances given by a person consisting of divine revelations he has received, they shall cease. Whether languages, they shall stop. Whether knowledge, it shall be done away. For we know in partial, fragmentary, incomplete way, and we utter divine revelations in the same way. I just had it happen to me recently. I preached something preach what God had given me, and then sitting in a conversation with somebody, they said, well, have you ever thought about that in this way? And you go, wow, no. (laughs) I knew in part. (laughs) 
I don't care how much the piece to the puzzle you have, all you got's a piece. And your piece is not complete until it's connected to another piece. We know the partial, fragmentary, incomplete way, and we utter divine revelations in the same way. But whenever that which is complete comes, that which is incomplete and fragmentary will be done away. When I was a child, I was accustomed to speak as a child. I used to understand as a child. I was accustomed to reason as a child. When I have become a man and have the status of an adult, I have permanently put away the things of a child for we now, for we are seeing now by means of a mirror obscurely, but then face to face. Now I know only in a fragmentary fashion, but then I shall fully know even as also I was known. But now there remains faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is the previously mentioned love. The greatest of these is love. We love Him Because He first loved us. And then I love you and others because He loved me. But I love you with His love, not my love. One of my, one of the things that's always so funny to me and entertaining is when two little kids get so mad at each other and the ultimate dagger is thrust into the heart of the other person you're not my friend anymore and five minutes later everything's When I was a child, spake, I acted, I did as a child, but I became a man, I put away that. When I was a spiritual babe, I acted, talked, did like a spiritual babe, but now that I'm reaching spiritual maturity, I'm supposed to put that away, and I'm supposed to be reflecting His love. Not only loving Him back because He loved me, I feel like, I don't think I've ever actually asked her this, I feel like there's some things that have been said at times that I believe this is the case. But I believe one way that I express my love to my wife is by what I do for my kids. Because even though I had a part in them coming into this world, obviously she paid a much greater price to get them here. So by me doing for them, I am also expressing to her I wonder if he's not also very interested. Don't just tell me directly that you love me. Yeah, I want to hear that from time to time. But also what I'm interested in is show me 
show me. Show me that you love. I, I don't agree with that statement and the principle in a relationship. Well, if you love me, prove it. I don't think you have the right to do I don't think you have the right to put that kind of stipulations on a person. Well, if you love me, you prove it. I, I, but at the same time, I think it is an incumbent upon me to prove my love. And not just by what I say, but by what I do and how that I do it. He so loved that he gave. He so loved that he gave. But that love that motivated him to give. Wow. I said it Sunday night, I'll say it again tonight, it's... I think there's a lot of different things that on Wednesday night, the folks that will come to celebrate recovery because they need it, there's, there's a lot of things, hopefully, that will touch them. But based on what I've just shared with you tonight, the number one thing that ought to touch them should be a sense of the love of God. Flowing in us and through us. That we don't do what we do because we just feel obligated. We don't do the things that we do because it's, it's our responsibility. But He loved us. And I am now become a conduit of that love. And you know what? The, the world uses the word love. The world uses the word love. You tell me, in the context of what the world often uses as the word love, how much of what the world is saying is love can fit with what 1 Corinthians 13 says. How much of what the world has come to describe as love is truly anywhere near Oh, I understand from a human perspective, it's basically impossible to do that. I, I agree, but from the perspective of someone that's been born again, and the one that now dwells inside of me, he is love. He is love. He doesn't just love, He is love. And that is now what lives inside of me and should be manifested through me. Father, when I read what Paul says to us in this chapter, I know that in my Self, I do not live up to that. I know that through my own ability, I fall way short of that. But I thank you tonight, God, that what was said to us in this chapter was not what was put upon us to produce through our own 
nature, ability, strength. But God, it's what you described as your love, and that's what's to be manifested through us by your love in us working through us. God, I pray again tonight that you would baptize us as a church afresh and anew with your love. I pray for every relationship represented here tonight, from family relationships to friends to ministry relationships, whatever the type of relationship. I pray that you would renew every relationship with your love. I I pray for husbands and wives right now, God, that some of the things that are described by Paul in this chapter are needed in these relationships. I I pray that that's the kind of love that would abide in the homes and the families of this church. In the name of Jesus Christ. Not just in our homes and our families. God, I pray that everything we do as a body, that everything we do as a church, that every ministry aspect that we have, every, every ministry we have, everything that is done as ministry, would be saturated with and motivated by Your love. God, don't let us fall or be guilty of what Paul said in the first couple of verses, that we do all of these things that we would accomplish and succeed in different ways, but do it without love. God, don't let that be said of us. Let Your love be manifested in us and flow through us. You are love and you are in us, so therefore let that love flow through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, renew your love in us, God. God, I pray you would also renew our confidence in your love that these things that are descriptions of how we should conduct ourselves and how we should treat others is also a description of how you treat us the kind of love that you have for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, God, help us not to covet those things that are temporary, even though they may be spiritual gifts, but they are only part of the piece of the puzzle, and they're not the things that last, but help us to pursue those things that don't fade, that don't cease. In the name of Jesus Christ, In the name of Jesus Christ, let it be, Lord, in your name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. In Jesus' name.